Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me this week is the man that has promised to stay fly till he dies, Mr. Claude Lathan. What's up? What's up? How we doing today? Say what? Mm, I'm good. How about you, sir? How about you? Oh, I'm I'm just hanging in there. I, uh, you know, feel like today's been a pretty good day and ready to talk some some good radio stuff yes indeed i want to talk about something that happens a lot in florida uh during the summer Mm. because uh it it happened to me last week word and i want to ask you about it claude have you ever experienced heart-stopping thunder and lightning Mm. well i live in bolt country so i'd say yes yes yeah, and listeners, I'm not actually saying physically heart-stopping, because obviously we'd have bigger issues than being on the Doc G show if that was what Claude <laughs> went through. He'd still be fly, too, don't worry. But Wait, what? <laughs> I had some lightning this past week that was just way too close for comfort. Way really? too close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. So I was sitting here doing work. You know, in the office, and uh, Florida storm comes rolling in as per usual in the afternoon, and you know, wasn't really paying too much attention to it. I was like, oh, it's getting dark. Oh, it's raining. Okay, you know, and it really wasn't doing too much thunder and lightning. It was just sort of raining, and then out of nowhere, the whole room just flashes. I mean, it was like there was a strobe light in the middle of the room. Like it just flash. An instantaneous crash of thunder that rattled everything in the room. Like, just everything. It was so close. It was one of those, it made me freeze for like 15 seconds. Like, I just instantly froze right where I was until I knew that I wasn't like dead. And then I just yelled out, where did that come from? (laughs) Like, it just, just yikes, right? Now, what made it extra crazy was that as soon as it finished, an electric charging sound started. Like, as soon as, after it hit, all of a sudden I just heard this, and I was like, I had, I still have no idea where that was from. Like, I don't know what in the building calls that. And for a second, I thought I was like on Independence Day and like the aliens were getting ready to fire again. I was like, run! It's coming back! <laughs> like, I didn't know. It was frightening, man. And then... What a great reference, too, because I just watched that movie about three days ago. Nice. Nice. Yes, it is. Shout out it's Will Smith. Good movie, man. Good movie. Uh, I haven't seen That's the second one. That's crazy, se- I, though, man. I never saw the second okay. one. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank well, you. It, the, the, the other extremely, the one other thing about that that was extremely strange, still don't know why it happened. After that lightning hit, my smoke alarm battery also started to go off. Wait, what? Like wow. it went off for like 10 minutes and then just stopped. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. I, how did, why did that happen? I have no idea. Like it's so weird. And man, whew, it's pretty frightening. Pretty frightening, Claude. As a result, 
I thought we might take a look at a couple do's and don'ts of lightning safety from the National Weather Service. I Are love it. I'm actually, yeah, I'm into this because I love stories of, uh, I hope nobody ever gets struck by lightning, but I love Woof. these types of Woof. stories. Woof. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's hit the do's. Let's hit the do's first. On their on their list of do's, the National Weather Service says, first, listen to the forecast. Word. That's their first do. <laughs> Which <laughs> I I mean not to throw it back into the face of the National Weather Service, but like I don't think the daily weather forecast in Florida has been correct in the past fifty years. Like Nope. Every summer day is the same. I don't know if you've noticed, Claude, but every summer day is hot with a 50% chance of thunderstorms. That's it. Like A 100% chance of sauna. Yeah, you're not getting anything more than that. Like, it's a roll of the <laughs> dice. So, I mean, I'm just saying, National Weather Forecast, the, the first one, eh, eh. Okay, here we go. Number two do is get inside... A substantial building or hard-topped metal vehicle before threatening weather advise, uh, arrives, which hmm. I agree with uh, that one. I mean, I hard-top metal. Yeah, hard-topped metal vehicle. Well, I, I guess mean, it is grounded because of the yeah, tires. You got the tires. You got the tires. But like, you know, I mean, what I was saying is like, what if you were in a building but still scared by the lightning, which I was. Is there such a thing as, like, a lightning bunker? Hmm. Can I, like, just... Is there, like, somewhere <laughs> I can go a little bit deeper into the earth or something? Or, like, a giant rubber ball? Is there just, like, a giant hamster wheel thing that I can get in? I don't know. Somebody get Jake Gyllenhaal on the phone. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now, three... This one makes sense, too. This is, this is a good one. It says, uh, cancel or postpone activities... If thunderstorms are in the forecast, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. But outdoor <laughs> activities or all activities? I, I'm I'm guessing outdoor. I I went ahead. I mean, obviously though, this recommendation can uh, only be disregarded if you're Jake from Sweet Home Alabama. What? Uh, your company, <laughs> Deep South Glass, depends on you hanging out in the middle of thunderstorms. So you got to be there, Claude. Have you seen Sweet Home Alabama? Uh, if I have, it was a long time ago. Well, it scored a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Say what? So, That's actually pretty go. impressive. Not that bad. Eddie Harrison of FilmAuthority.com summed it up as fluffy, shallow, but bright and easygoing. Idiotic, yet hard to hate. Hmm. There you go. I like there it. You go. I'm going to have to it, check it out. I'll say Eddie got it pretty much on the nose. You, you, you're like, this is dumb, but you keep watching it. So true. That's... Hey, I'm one for two, though. I, I've seen Independence Day, so there that's you go. what matters. There you go. Anyways, Claude, <laughs> lightning plays a pivotal role in the movie, and it also scared the <laughs> me last week, so that's why I uh, included it there. Okay, let's move on to the don'ts. Don'ts. So, first off in the don't is don't perform the crouch. Hmm. The crouch. Um, you have you heard of the no, crouch? Okay. I have not. The National Weather Service used to recommend the crouch, but they stopped in 2008. The crouch requires a person to crouch down, put their heels together, and their hands 
over their ears. Basically, like, I would imagine, like, you threw a grenade, you know? That sort of, that sort of yeah. position. Um, but the National Weather Service now says the crouch simply doesn't provide a significant level of protection. Whether you're standing or in the crouch position, if a lightning channel approaches from directly overhead, you're very likely to be struck and either killed or injured by the lightning strike. So I'm I'm interested to know who created the crouch and why would they ever think that would work anyway? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I guess I I guess what the National Weather Service was saying though in that quote was like uh, regardless you're screwed get out of the fetal position and get struck in the chest like a man what i guess that's what they're <laughs> saying hmm. i've well and i've got to say though you know this next don't that they have on the list it sort of contradicts that don't so okay. this next don't it says um don't be or be near the tallest objects in an area. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, come on, National Weather Service. What if you're Kevin Durant? Odds are you're going to be the tallest object in a lot of situations. If yeah, you, sorry, Yao Ming. If you, per, if you perform the crouch, boom, Kyrie is the tallest object. <laughs> now his flat earther <laughs> gets struck. Come on. Works. So the crouch, the crouch doesn't work. Unless you're using it basically against who you're with. I guess. I don't know. But the the third one will really throw you for a loop. The third one just makes me laugh. Um, now, this one, too, sort of weird. Or, well, I guess it's not a don't. It's if you're in the woods, put as much distance between you and any tree as possible. What? Huh? You're in the don't woods. Don't do that. Yeah, well, you're trying to put as... No, you're, you're trying to put as much room in between you and a tree as possible if you're in the woods but you're in the woods you're surrounded <laughs> by trees like so true it's gonna be hard you're just gotta like get equal distance between each tree like okay i think yeah that's as far as i can get away from each one of those trees like seems tough now the last don't <laughs> i like this <laughs> this advice is my favorite if in a group spread out so that you increase the chances for survivors who could come to the aid of any victims who do get lightning struck. Huh? Yeah. Well, if you're ever out in the woods with me uh, and there's lightning strikes going on, I'm going to be doing the crouch further <laughs> away from everybody. I mean, this last one, though, just makes me laugh because I just think of, like, ten people stuck in the middle of a field in a thunderstorm, and they all just look at each other like, hey, spread out, 50 feet in between us. Don't worry, guys. If any <laughs> of us get hit, we'll be right over there to help you try to get your heart start again. Well, after you get struck, <laughs> we'll be right at, like just seems so weird everybody just standing away from each other just staring at each other like anybody struck yet no no we're still good oh no joey got hit <laughs> joey's dead oh no like just weird anyways another uh, another movie reference there i was just thinking of it um if you've ever seen i think it was jeepers creepers 2 mm. where that bus gets stuck out in the highway mm. And Jeepers Creepers comes flying in and all the kids go running through that field 
I'm thinking of like Jeepers Creepers as the <laughs> lightning strike and all these kids just running around. There you <laughs> trying go. Trying to avoid and do the crouch. Very important. I don't care what they said in 2008. I'm still doing the crouch. You're not taking me away from it, National Weather Service. Yes! Now that we are all up on our lightning storm and I feel much safer, are you ready to fire up the show, Claude? Let's fire it up. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. God, I'm super excited. We have Christo Bowman, uh, the lead singer, fantastic band, Bad Sons. <laughs> They're getting ready to go on tour with Angels and Airwaves. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. They've got new music out. Say what? It's, it, it's fantastic. We're going to have a great convo. I can't wait. But first, we need to start mm -hmm. where we start. Birthday suit. Yes. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Now, go ahead and tell you, Claude. This first one, um, yeah. <laughs> Not not looking too it's, good for me. It's not your wheelhouse. Nope. Um, okay. I, I, Can I get a topic? I know you. I know you know <laughs> who her husband is. I don't know if you'll get her her name. Um, it's okay. in history. Pol I guess you'd say political history. Anywho. Okay. Born on July 28, 1929 in Southampton, New York, our birthday suit wearer was born to a very wealthy Wall Street broker. She had a very nice childhood growing up riding horses, being an avid reader, and she learned how to speak three foreign languages, French, Spanish, and Italian. Yeah. Wow. She ultimately ended up going to Vassar College. She was uh, she was known she was a known figure in high society in New York City, being a very uh, available debutante. Hmm. She studied abroad for a year in France and then transferred to George Washington University. While she was in uh, Washington, D.C., she met Massachusetts Representative John F. Kennedy in 1952 and married him in 1953. That's right. Uh, JFK became president in 1961, and her birthday suit wearer became first lady. She had three children with JFK. Sadly, JFK was assassinated on November 21st, 1963. In 1968, she married Aristotle Onassis. Sadly, she passed away in 1994 due to cancer. However, in 1999, she was still listed by Gallup polls as one of the most admired men and women of the 20, 20th century. Jeez. Name that birthday suit wearer. I think I don't know her real name, but was it Jackie Kennedy? Yes, there you go. There it is. Nicely the, done. The Thank you, thank you. I mean, you gave me your husband, so that helped a lot. Of but, course. Um, I think Jackie's short for something. I'm, I'm not. I can't. Jacqueline. I can't get that one though. Jacqueline. Jacqueline. You okay. Know. Yeah. There we go. Jacqueline. Her her uh, her original name, uh, birth name, Jacqueline Bouvier, and then uh, her married name Kennedy, and then when she got married again, uh, Onassis, and that was what a lot okay. of the uh, you know. Uh, uh, reporters and paparazzi and stuff after she got remarried uh, in 68 to Aristotle Onassis they started calling her Jackie O because she that's where I okay yeah. that makes sense now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah Jackie O really stuck people remembered Jackie O uh, and that's what you know basically for the rest of her life until she she died in 94 was uh, Jackie O so there you go yeah she would have been, uh, let's see, this would have been 90, 92? 
made a big impact. Camelot, you know, Camelot and the and the work of JFK, just a big impact on just everybody's. It, it opened, it broadened the minds of Americans of what the the president could be, and and you know the the mm-hmm. possibilities, and just this young good-looking crew in the in the White House that they were like, oh, man, young and fit. And it's ironic because uh, JFK actually wasn't that fit. He had Addison's disease oh. and he had back problems, all these other things. But people looked at him and thought he was this young, super healthy dude. It's wild. Anyways. Well, we've, we've kind of reverted back to uh, the times before we thought we could have that in the White House. So, <laughs> yes. You know, yes. just a little bit of the opposite exactly. from, the, from the Kennedys. But uh, Jackie O, happy birthday, R.I.P. Uh, let's see, Claude, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, I've got some good ones today. Uh... I think I've mentioned this before a couple times on the show in a couple different facets, but I'm not good at emergency health situations. Hmm. You know? If you were to list out things that Ben excels at, that would be very low on the list. Like, I mention that every time I take a CPR class, and I've taken a lot of them. When like when the instructors give it all the stuff, I'm like, hey, listen, if this actually goes down in a place, I'm the last person you want to help you out. So true. You might as well find anybody else in this place besides me. Um, well, don't put me in a thunderstorm next to you. Yes, nope. exactly. Exactly. Uh <laughs> Now, with that being said, the dude in this story, much better than me in an emergency situation. So, Tony uh, lives in Palm Beach, Palm Beach, Florida, and he was walking to work. Uh, He works in construction, and as he was walking to work, he saw a car slowly rolling down the road. And as he looked closer at the car, he realized the man driving the car was having a, a seizure pretty serious seizure and was oh no yeah yeah and so tony rushed over and tried to help uh he he literally tried to stop the car from moving you know just pushing the car because he couldn't get in the car car was locked and uh it actually initially when he just tried to stop moving the car it rolled over his uh his toe at first luckily he had steel toed boots on apparently so he was okay but um as the car's rolling, it eventually came to a stop on neighbor's lawn. And uh, the car was locked, like I said, so so t- Tony couldn't get in. He screamed at the house that was beside, uh, or, well, that the lawn uh, was attached to. And he was like, I need help. Yeah! And the owners of the house yelled back, quote, have him die somewhere else. Get off our lawn. <laughs> What? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No way. Are you serious? But that is the quote. Have him die oh somewhere else. Get off our lawn. Jeez. Uh, so two things there. The first one is Tony totally sounds like the name of a man who would wear steel-toed boots. That's true. And then second, what the Yeah. That's just a horrible namer. Neighbor, yeah. That's, yeah. that's awful. Not getting any help from the house, he realized who the driver was. He ran to his house, back to his house, called the wife of the driver and an EMT. The EMT arrived, took the man to the hospital. They saved his life. Uh, 
After recovering in the hospital, the man said, I want to talk to Tony. He saved my life. I want to personally thank him. Uh, So congrats, Tony. Nicely done. Um, Mm -hmm. Now back to the that were worried about their lawn. Um, Even even if you are (laughs) like that self-centered, like, come on, people. At least be smart enough to not let other people know that you are like that. Like that's a fact. Yeah. Wow. Like I mean, the, and let, think about this strategically, guys. The car already lo- rolled into your lawn. You can't reverse that now. The door's locked to the car. Tony can't push the car out of the grass. So you yelling is only gonna make you look like a bad and nothing else so true there is nothing else <laughs> beneficial that you'll get out of that like why do it there's no i mean besides the fact that it's just mean and not helpful like it doesn't it there, there, there's no strategy they what are they thinking claude what are they thinking that's pretty rough i i got in an instance um there's an instance a situation in columbia years ago mm-hmm. columbia south carolina mm-hmm. and uh I was driving by and I was on the way to work and I saw this um, fire. I guess maybe, you know, it was really dry out. We hadn't had rain in a while. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, long story short, the grass, I guess somebody maybe driving by threw a cigarette out and it uh, lit the grass up. Oh, and man. So I see this, Jeez. like, fire trail, you know, just go, it's going towards this house. And I get out and, you know, I, I ended up yelling at some neighbors. It's real funny you told the story and, um, you know, I've had an instance like it. But nobody came out and told me to get the and everybody ran out with a bunch of buckets of water and we put the fire out and then nice. you know, the, the fire truck came and all that it was yeah it was a good good feel good moment but i was about um, to say you, you wouldn't know, have felt as time, good if like, somebody would have been like go to <laughs> get away yeah, from exactly my house. if i was sitting there trying to put the fire out and somebody said get the <laughs> here I'd, I'd probably um i don't know what i would have done probably would have let the fire go and said okay deal with it <laughs> like all right good luck with that man. so true. crazy man be nice to your neighbors people come on yes! Um, okay, so interesting story out of Oak Island uh, in North Carolina. Some folks on the beach thought they noticed some sharks off the beach, and uh, they let Water Rescue know. So then Water Rescue went out, checked it out, and decided, yeah, pretty sure that's what's going on. So they posted on social media, and this is what they said. They said, quote, we don't want to alarm anyone, because this is a very natural thing, But we received a report and pictures of what appear to be large sharks swimming just off the beach near 4300 East Beach Drive. We will be investigating this further and we'll be flying our purple flag today to warn of possible dangerous fish. Hmm. So, a couple things about their post, Claude. First, um... Natural thing doesn't mean I'm not alarmed. Nope. Uh, right. A Category Five hurricane is a natural thing. Doesn't mean I'm gonna get out. Of, not gonna get out of its way. Like, just because yeah. it's natural doesn't mean shouldn't throw the alarm out. Two. I know red is already taken for hurricanes, but could you do like a red with maybe like a black fin for the flag? <laughs> like. I just feel like purple makes people think the ghost of Prince is going to show up and not sharks. Like, they're just... That doesn't seem like the right <laughs> color for sharks. Which, I was thinking when I said when, when I wrote that down, I was like, but how awesome is it that Prince owned purple? That's a fact. Like, 
Yeah. I don't think anybody else in the world is more associated with a color than Prince with purple. Like, you can say purple and people will literally just think Prince. Like, that can't happen with anybody yeah. else. You can't go yellow and people are like, oh, Tom Hanks. Like, that doesn't work. Like, it's crazy. Good for you, Prince. Way to own purple. There are, uh, there are like, I think, um, not people, but there are cartoons that could be associated, you know, like mm -hmm. Purple Barney. I was just, I'm just trying to throw something else out there. I'm like Skip Baylissing you right now, and I'm like, <laughs> Barney could be purple, or SpongeBob I, could be yellow. I don't think you can get a person. <laughs> like, I mean, nope. maybe like characters. They own it. You know, mm -hmm. but like, Prince just, he, he won that color. He won it. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Claude, a little trouble out of your hometown region, Charleston area, South Carolina there. Oh, no. I'm sure our listeners from that area are totally familiar with the fantastic tourist location, Charleston Sloth and Exotics. Wait, what? Right? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. You know that place that you go to check out sloths. You know... That animal that's known for being slow and boring and definitely isn't native to Charleston. Nope. Yeah. It's awake six hours out of the day, I think. Yeah. Why? I mean, why Why wouldn't there be a place in Charleston dedicated to sloths? Well, apparently, uh, there's been some trouble at Charleston Sloth and Exotics. This past month, uh, Candace Gore took her kids to Charleston Sloth and Exotics, which... I'm sure her kids had to be jazzed. Where are we going, Mom? <laughs> to hang out with sloths? Say what? Finally. Worried you guys were going to take us to water slides and ice cream. Woo! Thank God we're going to sloth town. <laughs> Anyways, Candace says sloth that when they down. were hanging out with sloths, one of them bit her daughter on the finger. Jeez. And this past week, Candace sued Charleston Sloth and Exotics for her daughter's bite. Uh, the lawsuit says, quote, Suddenly and without warning, the sloth bit the child's finger, cutting through the skin and reaching the bone, causing immense pain and discomfort. End quote. Word. Now, hmm. thought a couple things about the statement. First, you know when you think about it? What animal really gives an outright warning that a kid would understand? Like, come on. No kid yeah. understands any animal's warning of, hey, stop touching me. That's not going to happen. It's got to be like, I mean, maybe a, like a growl from a dog or I don't I don't know, but a sloth, a sloth would <laughs> like you're, I wouldn't if I got close to a sloth right now, which I wouldn't. But if I did. <laughs> I don't know if I would know what its warning sign no, would be. No, no. Well, and second, I know it's gross and a bad injury, but you don't really have to penetrate a finger too far to get the bone, right? Nope. I mean, yeah. it's not like you're drilling. Especially not a kid's finger. Yeah, it's not like you're drilling for oil or anything. It's it's pretty close down there. I'm just saying. And third, how slow is your kid that a sloth is able to bite him? Come on. <laughs> Come on. I mean, even without a warning sign, that dude turned around and was like, Ooh, here I come, moving towards the finger. Like, come on. <laughs> come, on. Well, come on. Maybe I'm wrong here, but so 
did I miss something or was this like a, it's not a sloth. You can't pet the sloths though, right? Oh no, Most no, places, no. You pet them. It, you can do that here. Now, uh, well, that brings huh. me to my next point, uh, Claude, which uh, you have to have a license for that. Hmm. So uh, the United States Department of Agriculture says licenses are required for individuals or businesses that have warm-blooded animals performed for the public or are used in educational presentations, which apparently this was an educational presentation to tell kids that sloths are fuzzy. I don't know. And uh, official with the USDA said Charleston Sloths and Exotics does not currently have and has never had a license. Um, no, offense to Char- no, no offense to Charleston Sloths oh and Exotic, but you pretty much only had two things to do before you opened Charleston Sloths and Exotics. One, get a sloth. <laughs> two, Make sure you have a license before you show your sloth off. That's pretty much it. I'm like, nothing else you got to do there. Um, regardless, though, Claude, the lawyers representing the family of the bitten child released a statement. They released a statement saying, We are working on the behalf of the child to recover incurred and potential future medical expenses and other damages related to the animal bite. The family has no ill will towards Sid the sloth, hmm. but is working to ensure that the child's best interests are protected, end quote. So by child's best interests, they mean their pocketbooks. Well, I'm going to have to call a statement. If these lawyers were cool with Sid, they wouldn't have called him out by name. Let's be honest. That's a fact. They would have just is said... He over, is he over 18? Is he a, an adult sloth? <laughs> they... <laughs> hey, and now that I know that the sloth's name is Sid uh, and it's going around biting people, I think they should start calling it Sid Vicious. Am I right? I think that's... I like that. Sid Vicious, I think, is the name that we need for this sloth. Uh, okay. Fire. Let's uh Let's hit one more story here. Claude, you want to hear about... Uh, I've got I've got three titles. I've got one titled Fishing, one titled Pegasus, and one titled Shot in the Air. Which one do you want to hear? Hmm. You said the last one, shot in the air. Uh-huh, shot in the air. I, I like Pegasus, but I want shot in the air. Okay, okay. Uh, this is an interesting story out of Waterloo, Iowa. So uh, two neighbors got into an argument, and uh, this is America. America! So, of course, one of the guys, Mr. McNabb, went inside and came back out with their gun. Huh? Uh the other gun, the other neighbor was like, Psh, I don't believe that's a real gun. I think that's a BB gun. And Mr. McNabb pointed the gun in the air and uh, fired it a couple of times. Uh, to which the other neighbor ran inside and called the police. Uh, the police then arrested Mr. McNabb and he was arrested and charged with assault while displaying a weapon and being a felon in possession of a gun. Now, this is just me and the horrible state of American gun violence, uh, Claude, uh, but was anybody else impressed and surprised that Mr. McNabb shot it up in the air and not actually at the neighbor? Like, I was for sure, when I started reading this, I was like, ooh, that neighbor's a goner. Like, but it was up in the air. Like, that's still dumb, and no one should ever do it, but, I mean... I was a little surprised. But the Mc, the McNabb guy, I mean, you're you're a felon. I mean, you clearly know that you shouldn't be doing that. Probably. 
you you would think. I mean, I guess whatever this. I mean, obviously, super important argument. Whatever it was, uh, <laughs> 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 had to prove his point. He probably was just thinking, I'm probably going to go to jail for this, but. Psh- Got to prove this gun. They were probably real. just arguing over, you know, was it Sid the Sloth's fault or was it the kid's <laughs> fault? It gets pretty. It gets pretty tense when you start talking about Sid. Let's be honest. Sid vicious. But I got to be honest. Like, what was Mister McNabb's neighbor thinking, though? Like, Mister McNabb walked into his house, comes back out with a gun, and you're gonna say, "I think that's a BB gun." Word. Like. I don't care if it is a BB gun. BB's still hurt. No, thank you. If I'm that dude, I'll be like, well done, Mr. McNabb. You have clearly won this argument. Good day, sir. So true. Like, that's... Yeah. What I'm going to call your bluff. No, thank you. What? I don't want to get shot with a BB gun, a paintball Mm -hmm. gun, an airsoft gun. Mm -hmm. None of that. Mm -hmm. Nerf gun. No, no, thank you. Don't want any of them. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Unless it's a 90s birthday party, maybe then. Ooh, nice. Get one of those crossbow Nerf guns. Oh, I had one of those back in the day. They're nice. (laughs) Those Those are fun right there. Anyways. We are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest of honor, Bad Sons. This is their single, Baby Blue Shades, right here on the Doc G Show. And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKR 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Listeners, if you haven't downloaded the podcast or subscribed to the podcast, do us a favor and do that. Mm-hmm. You know, do it on Apple, do it on SoundCloud, do it on Verbal, do it on TuneIn. Do it on Anchor. Do it on all the others that are out there that the Doc G Show is also on there. You know? And if you do it on every single one of those, it'll make me feel even better. Sure, it'll just be you on every single one of those, but I'll think it's another person on every single one. I'm like, oh, (laughs) my God. Look at that. Oh, man, our numbers. They're so great, right? That's uh, make me feel better like that. Be nice. Be nice. Speaking of people that make me feel better, let's talk about those regulars, Claude. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about those regulars. Love it. Okay, here we go. Let's give some shout-outs to the regulars here. Shout-out to Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Gainesville, Florida, Peoria, Illinois, Columbus, Ohio, Radford, Virginia, Barcelona, Spain, Phoenix, Arizona, Dublin, Ireland, Ashburn, Virginia, Boardman, Oregon, San Diego, California, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Winfield, West Virginia, Richardson, Texas, Katy, Texas, Orlando, Florida, Anoka, Minnesota. Shout-out. There we go. Nice. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of regulars in there. The normal regs. I appreciate all of them. The international regulars, the domestic regulars, all good stuff. Mm -hmm. All good stuff. Now, here's some semi-regulars. We've got some interesting ones here in the semi-regulars. Here we go. 
Shout out to Lima, Peru, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, San Francisco, California, Rio de Janeiro, Choctaw, Oklahoma, Kazan City, Philippines, Cyberg, Germany, Austin, Texas, Tampa, Florida, Plano, Texas, Tokyo, Japan, Boca de Raton, Florida, Colombo, Sri Lanka, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Cranfield, United Kingdom, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, Galway, Ireland, and Boynton, Virginia. Shout out. You know who I was looking uh, forward to hearing, and I I didn't hear it this week, is uh, Mm. Birmingham, Alabama. Or no, yeah, no, no just, Birmingham. It was, or it was Tuscaloosa. Tulsa. Yeah, Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. You're, yeah. No, yeah. 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 I, 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 I don't know. You? I I guess I guess Nick got too busy. I don't know. Yeah, we are. Probably, I, I, what, We're wasn't up last for week season. SEC? Yeah, I was about to say it was SEC Media Week, so he had some things to do. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. He'll catch up. Uh, we'll see some extra listens from Tulsa, uh, uh, Tuscaloosa. I don't know why I keep on wanting to say Tulsa. Tuscaloosa next week. We'll see him catch up. Good. He'll be okay. Good. Right. Shout out to sh- shout out to Nick. We appreciate the listens, Nick. Thanks a lot. Love Nick Saban um, on this show. Of course, of course. Yes! Uh, Claude, let's do a little, just a little basketball talk. We're just gonna dip our toe just into basketball, just a little. Oh yeah. Bit. Um, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. Uh, first off, salute to the Bucks. Yeah. You know, salute to the Bucks. Hats off to those guys. I mean, I told you, I texted you the the night of the the finals. I was impressed, man. That was impressive, Gian, uh, Giannis. Like, now, 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 Mike's got me saying Giannis. He came on the show saying Giannis. I was like, hmm. Girl, come on. Anyways, uh, it, I mean, is it going to be? Am I wrong, or is it going to be super hard for them to repeat? Yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, this year was um, it was obviously the year of the injury. I think uh, no no discredit to anything that the Bucks accomplished. I mean, they're down 0-2 yeah, to never. the to the Nets, and you know there were some injuries. Whatever, you still come back and. And you win that series. You're down 0-2 in the finals to uh, uh, to Phoenix, and then you come back and win four straight games. You know, I, I don't discredit the Bucks uh, at all for their run, and I think that they are capable of doing it again this coming year. But it is going to be much tougher. Yeah, so true. It's just going to be. I mean, you got so many good teams out there. You just got so many possibilities. Who is your most interesting free agent? Who are you looking at this offseason that you're you're you want to know what's going to happen? Oh man, um, Demar Derozan is is one of my mm. favorites. I there's a you know there's rumors out there that uh, the Lakers want Chris Paul. Chris Paul's history is you know he just went to the finals with Phoenix. Why not run it back one more right. year? I think he's got at least four more years of him, whether he's at an All Star level or or just playing, um, you know, I think mm-hmm. if Chris Paul decides he wants to go hop on a contender, why not see if he can force his way to L.A.? And That's the Lakers know that um, they need somebody to help take the load off of LeBron because they showed this year that they had a terrific roster on paper, but when LeBron and AD went down, they couldn't get it done. So they know who the team's built around. And um, if you could bring in somebody like a Russell Westbrook, that would be terrific. But if you can't pull off a trade or something with CP3 and Westbrook, I love the idea of uh, Lowry and DeRozan reuniting from their Toronto days in L.A. Mm. I would love to see a starting lineup of Kyle Lowry. Uh, You could throw DeRozan in at the two if you wanted, LeBron at the three, AD at the four, and then you could just put you out there at the five, honestly. That's that's just pretty crazy. 
Um, That'd be an all-star team right there. Yeah, be and they've said crazy. Uh, Lowry hasn't said it quite as abruptly and, and loudly here at the beginning of free agency as uh, as DeRozan has. Um, but you know, DeRozan has said that it's it's not about money for him at this point. He's ready to win. I, I would love to see DeRozan go and win uh, in L.A. with his hometown team. Nice, nice. Okay, this question has nothing really to do with next year's season, but nope. Bronny James, <laughs> class of 2023, why is that dude's neck so muscular? What is going on? <laughs> he's he's 16 and like 6'3 and 180 pounds, and he has a neck of a 400 pound bodybuilder like that's a fact it i don't know like every time i see a picture of him <laughs> it seems like this dude's neck gets bigger like it's he's going to the gym and just doing neck workouts for two hours straight is that just me no or do you no. have you noticed I, that I, he's got a muscular neck i noticed <laughs> it i i noticed it i was wondering because it took him a while to be able to uh to really dunk and i was wondering what was weighing him down and i thought maybe that could it's be neck. it but all neck, you know. All neck, he's, man. He's coming into his own, man. Look, that guy, uh, that kid is—he's going to be. I think he's a four-star recruit right now. Um, I've watched a lot of his highlights. Yeah, num- he's a—he's a number thirty in his class right now. Is what I saw. There we but, go. So uh, he's working his way up, and um, you know, I've, I've watched his game evolve over the last couple years. And like you said, he's so young. You never know how these guys are going to end up until they start to hit around the age he's at when they get to be like 16, 17, grow into their bodies even more. And um, he's growing into his neck. So he's growing into his body and they've, he's got a good jump they've, shot. They've been watching this dude since he was like two. That's so, you know, I mean, like, that's why to me, he already feels like he's like 40. Like, because they keep showing him, like, when is that dude graduating? And then they're like, oh, uh, he's a junior. What? Oh, good lord. Yeah, jeez. I mean, no knock on, yeah, cr- on Bronny. I, look, he should be appreciated for his talents. Um, I, it would be like... Oh, you just you get compared to LeBron. I yeah, mean, it's the same thing as Michael Jordan's kids. It's no fair. I was just about to say, I, I played against Michael Jordan's uh, sons in, um, in AAU, and, uh, you know, they weren't... Oh, what, a, they, what a nightmare for those guys. They weren't even close to being as no, good no. as Michael, but... But that's not a bad thing at all. And and if whatever route Bronny ends up taking in life, uh, whether it's um, really you know the basketball route, hopefully we get to see a good father son moment uh, with him and, and LeBron on the same team for a brief second. I, I, the, I the odds are slim. I but. always I always say it's better for the 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 kid of a star to take another sport. It always mm-hmm. seems like to me that works out better. Like they, you know, because there's no pressure there. I mean, how many you know, Ken but, Griffey's and Ken Griffey Juniors have we had? I mean, it's very, very rare that we get not a lot. Like that. Usually, usually it comes from the less. It's it's like Kobe Bryant. You know, his dad was in the NBA, but not a star. So you don't have that pressure. You have the knowledge, you have the talent, but you don't have the pressure of living up to that. that Steph star Curry, talent, Wardell, you know? Wardell Curry. And, exactly, uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Now this last part that I wanted to do here, I was, I was cruising through instagram and i i saw this post that blew me away with some of these numbers and so i thought i'd I'd test them out on you claude these this is pretty interesting uh first one how old do you think brandon ingram is Hmm. uh brandon ingram is 23 23 yeah correct correct i i saw that and it just like i mean I, we've had him on the show as a birthday suit wear, but like it just didn't. I was like, Jesus, that dude seems like he's 34. Yeah. Been in the NBA for so long. Like it's crazy. 
just 23. He's a baby, man. Girl, come Crazy. On. Uh, who's older, Derek Rose or Steph Curry? Uh, Steph Curry, right? Yeah. He's 33, and Derek Rose is 32. That's wild. That's right, yeah. That's... Well, Steph spent, you know, those years in college. And people people don't remember this. I, now, this you'd have to fact check me on. I, I think Steph Curry is a seven-time All-Star. He might be eight, but he's only like a seven-time All-Star. Mm. And with his resume and all the finals he's been to and all the, the three-point records he's yeah. set and will continue to set, you, you'd think that he'd be like, you know, a 13-time All-Star at this it point. It took a but, little while. You know, Derrick took- Rose came into the league at, uh, what, I think, yeah, one year, and, and yeah, Steph mm-hmm. was like twenty-one or something. Yeah, like he did. Him. He did. He did full time there at uh, at Davidson, whereas Derrick Rose one year at Memphis and was out. Um, but like it just, yeah. I mean, you hear that, and just with Derrick Rose's injuries, you, I, I like. I think you know. I think he's forty-seven in my head. I'm like that guy. That's a fact. right there with. <laughs> he's right there with Vince Carter. He's so old. Like it's wild. Okay, who's who's yeah. older, Steph Curry or Andrew Bynum? Um, I do know this one because uh, you just gave me Steph's age. Uh, Steph is older, and Andrew Bynum, I believe, is thirty-one. No, you're you're, you're actually. I it was a little bit of a trick there. Andrew Bynum is older, but only by five months. Say what? They're both thirty-three oh. years old. It's man. It's, I hadn't thought about Andrew Bynum in a while. I know that's a, he hasn't been in the NBA for seven years. It's that's crazy. crazy, and he's only thirty three. And he was in the NBA he was a former for all. Yeah, yeah. former all star. Won a won back to back championships as a centerpiece. Um, not a, not a centerpiece, but the center yeah. of uh, the Lakers. You know, nuts, wow. man, nuts. Now, uh, who's older, Andre Drummond? Or Anthony Davis. Hmm. Ooh, they're close. Drummond, I believe, is uh, <clears throat> is twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. And Anthony Davis is uh, he's also Anthony Davis is younger. Ju- no, Anthony Davis just turned twenty eight. Just turned. Oh, I knew it was close. I wanted to be like they're both born on the same day. No, <laughs> but a, I wasn't sure. It's wild though. Like Andre Drummond again. To me, he seems so old. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. he seems so old. This one, this one's pretty wild too. This is the last one. Who's older, Cam Johnson or Aaron Gordon? Say the first one again. Cam Johnson from the Phoenix Suns or Eric Gordon? Oh yeah, Aaron Gordon. Oh, uh, Cam Johnson's twenty-four and Aaron Gordon's twenty-five. Close. They're both twenty-five, but. Uh, but Aaron's o- only older by six months. They're both twenty-five. Aaron Gordon is six months older than him. That's crazy. That's you crazy. threw me some tough ones today. I these were like months apart. The first way we got you know slimmer and slimmer as we went <laughs> along. At first, it was like you know two or three years in difference, and those months they'll get you. Those are wild. Those those all blow my because just I mean just the difference in you know going straight to the NBA, going to college like it's crazy. Some of these guys like I mean you know Andrew Andrew Bynum. If like I hadn't actually been thought of that, and somebody just randomly said, "Hey, how old is Andrew Bynum?" I'd be like forty-two. That's a fact. Yep, thirty-three. What? What? Huh? Crazy. Anyways, now that we've done a little <laughs> NBA basketball, uh, are you ready for the second birthday suit? It's NBA. 
Yeah, let's see if I can go two for two here. Oh, yeah. I got you on this one for 100%. If you get Jackie O and you don't get this one, then I my whole world <laughs> will be just, uh, I don't know. It, it'll be weird. Um, born on July 28, 1977 in Argentina. Can you get it from that? Uh, Manu Ginobili. There it is. There it is. Yes. <laughs> Manu. Yes. His family. Was... I love how you stopped. Yeah. Let's hear the rest of it, yeah. You know, I mean, I was like, come on. Argentina, how many how many other Argentinians do we have that were dominant in the NBA? Uh, his family was full <laughs> of basketball players. All his brothers played basketball, and his father was a basketball coach. He grew up idolizing Michael Jordan and playing as much as he could. When he uh, turned 18, he started playing in the Argentinian Basketball League. After two years, he moved to Europe. He was a three-time All-Star in Europe and a top scorer for two seasons. Then in 1999, he was drafted by the uh, San Antonio Spurs as the 57th pick overall. His role on the Spurs became bigger and bigger. He ended up being sixth man in 2008, two-time All-Star, and a four-time champion with a career average of 13.3 points per game, 3.8 assists per game, and 3.5 rebounds per game. Manu Ginobili. There we go. Ginobili! There it is, man. Just a competitor. <laughs> he won me over, Manu, you know? Uh, I loved him, man. When, I miss him being in the NBA. And when he got, when he caught that, or uh, got the that bat, bat. Yeah. Yeah, that was impressive. That was impressive. I, yeah. I mean, just, he, he his competitive spirit won me over. Because when he first came in the league, I was like, this guy's goofy. What? Who is this guy? Word. He's no NBA baller. And then after watching, I was like, oh, you know what? He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Man, his, uh, his Euro steps uh, is what... All the players that that Euro step today. Yeah, I mean people Euro step. Don't get me wrong. You know, he had the exaggerated though. He had the exaggerated. He he really got um, you know the Dwayne Wade's and the James Hardens and Mm -hmm. these guys. Mm -hmm. uh, He sold it. He sold it that one way. Then you step the other. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Manu. Yeah, yeah, and uh, critical critical piece to those four uh, four championships that he was involved with, especially the last two. Uh, anyways, yeah. uh, happy birthday, Manu. We are going to be right back with Christo Bowman there from the Bad Sons. Keep it locked here on the Doc G Show. Five point five Spinnaker Radio WSKRLPFM UNF Jacksonville. The Doc G Show because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at seven PM on ninety nine point five FM Spinnaker. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very excited to have the lead singer and guitarist of the fantastic band Bad Sons, Mr. Christo Bowman. Christo, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Happy to be here. Yeah. So I think the most important question for me for this interview, I've got to ask, what did you end up naming your cat What's the we went with mango okay mango fantastic uh uh orange tabby 
for the listeners there, I was very excited when I saw that you had a new addition to your family on Instagram. How is Mango? He's great. You know, we just got him a new toy that is keeping him very occupied. I'm watching him right now downstairs <laughs> play around with it. We're trying to get him into some puzzles and whatnot. Nice, nice. Always a good addition, in my opinion. Yes! Now, along with important cat news, we also have very important music news. You guys are getting ready to go on a fall tour with Angels and Airwaves. Uh, you will play Florida twice, October 26th in St. Petersburg, and then Orlando, October 27th. Now, in a way... It's a bit of a homecoming for you because you you lived in Miami for the first four years of your life. Um, yes, that's true. Yeah. Do you enjoy playing Florida? Is it one of your favorite places or not so much? You know, it really is. I really love playing Florida. I love, to be honest with you, I love the weather. Yeah. Um, you know, the venue in St. Pete that we're playing is awesome because you're right there by the beach. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, the crowds are just kind of unparalleled over there. Something that we've noticed is for whatever reason, I mean, the crowds that come to our shows are tend to always be amazing. But there's something different about particular about Florida and Texas, too, I've noticed. But really, Florida crowds always bring it. Nice. I, well, I, I tell a lot of our guests that, you know, there's something about Florida... We love live music. Yes! Floridians love live music, and they'll get excited oh, yeah. for any for any band coming. Uh, and I actually, I think I saw the last time you guys were in Florida, you you went tubing not too far from us there in Jenny Springs. Yeah, that's right. That was an amazing day. That's another example of why I love when we're on Florida on tour. There's just so much to do. Yeah, not a bad way to spend a day off of tour there on the on the water, man. It's nice. It's really that water's crazy at Jenny Springs. Whenever, whenever it works out, we try and plan at least one or two or, you know, if, if we're lucky, three days where we get to do some kind of fun activity like that. Sometimes we'll rent like a pontoon boat, just go out for the day. Sometimes, in this case, our tour manager is from Jacksonville, so mm. he knew about Jenny Springs and took us there. Nice. And it was an amazing day. Yeah, it's a great way to kind of recover in between shows because the road is... It's like home to us, but at the same time, it can be a little intense, you know, all that travel and moving around. So it's nice to get some R&R &R like that. Well, yeah, I, and I think a lot of folks, when they think of touring musicians, they think of, like, going on a road trip and basically just checking out everything around you, whereas most of the time you have absolutely zero time to check anything out in any of the cities. It's unload the gear, play a show, load it back, go to the next place. And so when you get that day off, pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's definitely pretty time-consuming. That's one of the reasons why I'm happy to be doing... Uh, this is our first support tour we've done in a while, which is going to be great because that will free up a lot of our time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, now, like I said, the support tour is in support of Angels and Airwaves. And, uh, I mean, really, you know, Tom DeLonge is in that band, and he was one of your first musical inspirations. Now, have you have you met him before this tour, or is this going to be the first time meeting him? This will be my first time. Never have, so I'm wow. looking forward to that. Are, are you worried? Are you worried that you're going to have a hard time, like, keeping it cool in front of him? You know what? I think at this point, I've, I've been blessed to kind of been able to meet a bunch of my heroes. Yeah. And uh, at a certain point, you kind of get it down. But I'm definitely <laughs> I'm definitely excited. Get it down, how to play it cool. I like it. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk a little inspirations because 
it goes along with that Blink-182, that sort of alternative vibe. You were into Blink-182, Green Day, and then you go back in the 80s as far as some of that alternative. And it was funny, as far as The Cure and the Depeche Mode, I actually heard in an interview you say how you thought there, L.A. has this special relationship with The Cure and Depeche Mode, which... I totally agree, because I do think those groups, for whatever reason it is, they seem to pop up regardless of like what year and what area you are in L.A. Uh, what what made you notice that, as far as that relationship, uh, as far as those alternative bands with L.A.? It's I don't know exactly what it is, but it's definitely a thing. You know, it goes back to both bands kind of, they're, they're massive here, and both bands had like very kind of famous shows that, the likes of like Dodger Stadium and the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl. And uh, there's just a really big connection with that kind of sort of like goth tinged music. And you always see people in Depeche Mode shirts mm-hmm. around here. I think you could also count the Smiths in that as well. And For like, sure. out, it, there's just, I've noticed because, you know, Los Angeles, obviously, there's a really big like Latin community. And for some reason, I've noticed that there's like a really big connection between those bands in that community as well hmm. it's just like a very very angelino thing yeah i i i have noticed just and it, it seems to be a, a group of musicians around your area and around your time that that bad sons was coming up i mean specifically the neighborhood honey you guys all sort of have this you know unique sound and influence by those alternative bands and you were coming up around the same time when you guys started these bands and you were playing like the small shows in the valley in like 2010 2011 did you see what you guys were doing as a unique music scene or did you just think you were doing sort of what everybody else was doing in in the country no it did it did feel special to me i remember the first i think it's funny that us in the neighborhood are first show was playing together at this venue in Camarillo, which is like pretty far north from Los Angeles. That's one thing too that I have to clarify is we're kind of, what we were doing was a little bit different from just what was happening in LA because we were kind of removed from that central scene just being in the San Fernando Valley, which is not far, but it's far enough away to where you're, it's kind of its own thing. So yeah, Yeah. I remember that first show, like seeing the neighborhood play for the first time, it definitely felt like, oh, this is this is special. It was cool to see our friends, like just it, and for us to be all a part of this thing that was making this music that was really exciting to me, and it felt fresh. And I remember yeah. thinking that something's happening here. Yeah, it, it definitely. I mean, it, it's it's unique from, and you you can tell the the different sound that comes from there. Is are, was there a lot of competition between bands in the valley at that time? Did you feel com- competition, or was it more like camaraderie? I would say it was more of like camaraderie. Of course, I think there's always going to be sort of a healthy competition in the sense that I think, but I, I think for instance, seeing that, like that was an instance where the neighborhood kind of were the first of the, of the first of the bash to kind of start making waves, and that was really inspiring for the guys at Honey and for us to see because it kind of made you realize like, oh, this is this is actually possible. It doesn't have to yeah. remain just a dream forever. Yeah. So that was really cool. So I think we all pushed each other in a positive way. For sure. Well, now, widen the scope. Like you said, you're a little bit north of L.A., a little bit outside of that L.A., but in L.A., you do have those other bands uh, around, you know, that, that it came out maybe a little bit later than you guys, 
but they still have a lot of those alternative influences and and some of those same strains like the the weathers and and younger hunger and they you know these these groups are in like torrance and long beach area and then you've got other bands like mob rich and sure sure that are in la but they're not originally from la would you say just like the overall sort of alt rock uh, community in LA is pretty supportive group. You know, I'm not really familiar with those groups, but I think that, you know it's such a vast place, Los Angeles. So yeah, there is a, a lot, and there is a big music scene, but it's also kind of a complicated standpoint to be talking about it right now when there haven't really been shows for the past year and a half. So mm. part of me is kind of like I've just kind of been in. You've been secluded. Album yeah. mode. Yeah, and I've, we've just been writing and in the studio for this entire past year and some change. So. That's kind of just all we've been. So we're kind of aware of what our friends are doing, but it's more kind of been about like watching, uh, seeing what he's just listening to the music that we put out and the videos and all that kind of thing has been exciting. But I'm excited for shows to come back and be a bigger part of that equation again. For sure. For sure. Well, now, before I leave the valley, I've got to ask you this question here. I ask all my guests this. If I'm coming specifically to the valley and I ask you, where should I eat? Where's the one place that I should go eat? If I've got one meal in the valley, where are you going to tell me to go? Well, I guess that would depend. I'm The place that the first thing that sprung to mind isn't necessarily going to be the best meal you've ever had in your life, but the the history and the ambiance is is just kind of a really special thing. I'd say you should probably go to Casa Vega okay. in, uh, in Sherman Oaks. If you saw the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah, that's the, that's the place where... Uh, Rick Dalton, I can't remember the character's names, but uh, where Leo and Brad Pitt are having margaritas at the end where they have their final yeah. goodbye. That's a Casa Vega. That's a classic Valley establishment. Nice. I like it. I, I like history and ambiance. I'll take it. Casa Vega. I'm headed there. Nice. Good choice. Good choice. Well, yes! now back to uh, music, uh, going a little bit further back before Bad Sun started, I heard, uh, I mean, you, you, you've basically been, you know, sort of in music almost your whole life i mean i heard you you, talking about all the different instruments you learned to play uh you know violin and trumpet and guitar was singing always something you did or did that come later after you like started writing songs did you start singing singing well came later i think singing was sort of the first thing i started doing actually because obviously that's kind of the easiest thing to yeah you know you sing along to music on the radio and that kind of a thing so i was always doing it but i don't think it you know, it's like anyone can do it. So I never felt like it wasn't as if I opened my mouth and I was just like, oh, my God, this incredible sound that's coming out of here. <laughs> you know, you got to go through puberty and all that stuff, especially when you're starting as young as I was. So that it yeah. definitely took a while for me to kind of find my voice and be able to kind of, uh, you know, now I think I've gotten to the point to where I'm able to kind of use my voice as an instrument. and know how to I know how to keep it strong and all that sort of thing. But. Yeah, I guess that was kind of the, the, the entry point. But for me, it really became exciting once I picked up the guitar. Now, I, I heard that we can we can partially thank Jack Black at least a little bit for you as a musician and Bad Sons, because when you saw School of Rock, that was like a that was like a, a, a spark. There was that a spark for you getting excited about like playing rock and roll music? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Well, I guess. It, it makes total sense, but I've heard so many people kind of of my age that have later gone on to like sort cite that as the same kind of yeah. thing. I think that was a, a big breakthrough moment for a lot of 
kids who are interested in music and just seeing kind of like seeing that your reflection kind of going, Oh wait, like they can do this. I can do this. Yeah, for sure. I Jack Black, actually, I've, I've seen him say it a couple times, but he said it was the most important role he's ever done because of that. Like he sees that as his, his biggest role just because of the impact it had. Uh, yeah, definitely. What, what's your favorite part? School of rock. What was the, what's the best part you still go back to? Man, it's it's so funny. I mean, I think that final performance at the very end. Mm. First of all, it's hilarious. How do you get like fifteen hundred people at a battle of the bands at like <laughs> two in the afternoon? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think the uh, initial, the whole movie is great. It's hard to bring it down to favorites. Um, that, I think that you can't really beat the classic failed stage dive at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I still my my favorites where he where he's setting up the band you know where he's giving them the instruments and he, he does the cello you've got a bass yeah. and st- <laughs> still such a good line man so and oh it's amazing of course when he sings edge of edge uh, edge of seventeen love that part and it's one of the gets gets the principal excited man it's a fantastic movie I remember seeing it. Uh, yeah. remember seeing on uh, when it the first night it came out actually. Um, now after School of Rock though, yeah, I mean it didn't take you long. You know, I, I I found I found videos of you back in the day. There's still videos from 2008, back when you were in Blackout 101. Like I mean, oh boy, yeah, I mean they're they're back there, man. Like that was when you were in still in like middle school. So once you guys started Bad Sons in 2012, even though you were real young, you were already sort of like gig hardened by that time, right? You guys had already been playing shows, all of you, a good amount. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to say the first, like, I started playing shows in like 2005. Mm, so if you think about that, it's like seven years. And, yeah. and from then, it was pretty, you know, we tried to do it as much as possible. So yeah, we definitely had. We had a lot of training, a lot of time spent playing to most, you know, pizza, pizza shops and <laughs> malls and wherever. I think it's important to kind of get in those hours of performance and practice because it's really going to come in handy down the line. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now, you uh, w- once Bad Sun sort of formed uh, around 2012, I, I really enjoyed sort of hearing your kickstart story of how it really got kicked into gear because it was really sort of like a 1970s move. You dropped off a demo tape of Cardiac Arrest there at K-Rock and, and they played it, which, you know, really seemed sort of like a movie-esque kind of breakthrough. Were were you surprised when they played it on the Locals Only show? Were you surprised how fast people started contacting you after they played it? We were. You know what? This, this part of the story that often is left untold, but it was actually the second time we had done this. So we mm. dropped off probably a year prior to when we dropped off the Cardiac Arrest demo. We dropped off a, a demo for our song called Transpose. Mm. It's not the version that you hear on the album. Yeah. It was a previous version. And so they played that, and that was like a dream come true. And then a year later, we stopped. And But, you know, that... It, they didn't play it until maybe like five or six months after we initially dropped off the CD, something mm. like this. It may not have been that long, but back in the day, it felt like that. Yeah. But when we dropped off the Cardiac Arrest CD, I think because of the fact that there was some familiar- familiarity there and, uh, you know, we had, they had played our song before, you know, it, it stayed on the chart for quite a few weeks. Yeah. I think they were quicker to quicker to listen to it 
but that was instantaneous. They played it the next, the following week. And then, yeah, the day afterwards, I was getting, you know, we were getting, our emails were just flooded and our calls from managers and record labels and booking agencies, which was really surprising because, like I said, we had had a song on previously, but we did not get that response. Yeah, yeah. For, for... So it, it kind of put things into perspective for us. Yeah, oh, now... I I had heard you you talking about it before in in another in interview where you were talking about uh you know you had a manager at the time you sort of presented the music to the manager and he was like yeah yeah it's good but this isn't really what's going on right now it's like music wise and you guys went ahead and and uh you know took it to K Rock was that was, was that transpose or was that cardiac arrest or was that both that you played that manager at that point when that happened we had recorded about, i want to say half of that the language in perspective album mm. so that album we started it off we kind of just self-funded it we met a producer in a really kind of crazy synchronistic way and then we yeah like i said we he gave us a really sweet deal because i think he really believed in the band so yeah. we just kind of worked some odd jobs and we paid for this thing and uh we played him that like half the language and perspective record and yeah. that was yeah that, and it just wasn't working you know what everything kind of happens for a reason you learn to look in retrospect and that kind of made us we were deterred for a minute not deterred but i think we were a bit bummed out and then yeah. from there we just knew we had to we believed in what we had so we pushed forward and you know i think it was probably the best thing that could have happened at the time for sure what do you have you ever have you seen that guy since then the manager like hey it turned out all right we got like a hundred yeah I, I have <laughs> <laughs> i have and we're cool you know i don't i don't there's no hard feelings there did he did he did he say it was wrong at least at some point did he say man i should have i should have believed in that album did he has he said no that? you know you think you should i don't I, I don't remember what the conversation exactly was like i think it was just more along the lines of you know happy for you guys like good it all worked out good good well, now, not too long after, you know, you, you had that second song on K-Rock and you started getting the attention, well, it, was, it was a little bit, a couple years there, 2014, you toured with uh, the 1975. Uh, now, was that, was that the first, like, taste of big-time audiences and sort of big-time touring? Yeah, it was. That was our second-ever tour, and it was just months following our first tour. The first tour we did was just you know a very different very different picture so it's mm -hmm. us you know in a van and we're playing to maybe you know on a good night maybe 50 to maybe like 100 people on a really good night yeah and that was incredible you know for a lot of the times we're playing to you know there was one night where i think we probably played to five people and that <laughs> happened a couple of times you know so it was a it was a good good place for us to learn and then from that fast forward a couple of months and we're on the road with the 1975 and kind of just watching them explode in real time this is like right when their first album had come out yeah yeah it was a, it was a really was and everything like that yeah yeah it was a pretty surreal moment for us and it kind of was a big propeller for us for sure now were there any nerves on that one as far as like some of those bigger shows that you were like holy crap this is not what i'm used to you know i think we were so hungry to do that and like i said we had played every every you know every backyard and every school function and every pizza shop we possibly could that we were so ready for that so i think it was really just excitement nice nice now now was that was that around the the same time was it on that tour that you guys got to do conan it was yeah it was like the days leading up to it 
Very nice. What, what did it mean to yeah. do Conan? How exciting was that? That was an amazing day. You know, that really was kind of, that was a surprising phone call. And it was cool to have been a part of the history of that. And it's funny, actually, if you look inside the, uh, the packaging of the Language and Perspective record, all the photos of us were taken that same day, kind of in between soundcheck and our actual performance. We got in the car and drove around with the photographer and took some pictures and then wow. drove right back. Man. So that was a big day. I was about to say, that's an action-packed day, man. First album photos playing on Conan. That's insane. I actually saw a couple of pictures on Team Coco uh, on their website of, like, him trying on your guitar. Uh, did you did you get to talk to him, like, you know, a good bit, or was it uh, fairly quick? It was fairly quick, but, you know, he was really cool, and he did his best to make us feel welcome. Yeah, he came over, and, he's you know, he's a big guitar player. He'll be yeah. playing... He'll be playing. He has a strap that he plays in between when he's like running lines and doing this kind of thing and preparing. Mm -hmm. So he came over and was interested. You know, it's a it's a beautiful guitar. So he took it and took it for a whirl. So it's nice. Like I'm looking at it right now. It's on my wall and it's cool. And just knowing that Conan O'Brien yeah. has blessed it with his hands. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, now, uh, like, like we've been talking, you guys are three albums deep. Uh, language and perspective disappear here and then mystic truth and I sort of wonder because you guys have you've sort of had a little bit of snowballing success uh, how does success on previous projects sort of factor into you making music like now that you guys have had success and you've got a, this like catalog do you have a hard time of like not comparing new songs to previous work you know, I think the thing that we're lucky about is all the songs that tend to work and that people connect with and the ones that we really like, first mm -hmm. of all, they're the ones that we really like. And those are the ones, there's a common thread that runs through them. And it's not the way that it sounds. It's not the tempo. It's not the type of song that it is. It's sort of about the place where it comes from. All of the best songs tend to come from this very similar emotional space that you just know when, you, when they're happening, when you're writing them. It's not like a very forced thing. So yeah. as long as we're looking for that, and you can tell the purity that is there, you know, that it's kind of a, a gut instinct you have to follow. Yeah. So we just kind of are always looking for that. And you have to write a lot of those other songs to get there. The ones that don't work, that don't make it on the album, you know, they're a part of the, they're a necessary part of the process. Yeah. That not everyone needs to hear, but, you know, sometimes <laughs> they're fun to go back and listen to. But yeah, we're just always striving to be the best band that we can. And I'm, I think people are going to be really really are going to be thrilled with this new album nice nice now um uh, i I'm, I'm guessing on this new album there's several that you have that energy you have that feel on oh absolutely it's we try and all, i would say that pretty much all of the songs and all of our albums are, those. are that yeah nice well tell, tell me a little bit how you guys handled the the pandemic because yeah, you guys were a little bit different than a lot of the artists we've had on the show. A lot of the artists we had on the show were, like, touring or right, you know, starting a tour or ending a tour. Yeah, what, what was the process like for you guys? You know, I think we were about as lucky as you could be, um, which is, you know, it's just a weird thing to say. But, yeah, we were already in the—we had just began the process of making our album, mm -hmm. and we had the momentum built up. So it was just kind of, it gave us more time to focus completely on making that album. Whereas we would have been touring in between and doing things like that uh, originally. But it was kind of, not, I think maybe we didn't realize how 
much we needed a break because I think we had just come off the road a few months prior to everything getting shut down. And I think we were sort of at this point of fatigue from having been on the road for, what was it, five years straight pretty much. Yeah. So it was, uh, it, it was, it was in a way, it was nice to have that time to focus on the creative process. Nice, nice. Now, uh, you guys, you've, you've released... Uh, you you released a couple of singles at the start of the pandemic, and then one sort of in the in the middle, and then one more recently. So you released "I'm Not Having Any Fun" and "Unstable" there uh, a little over a year ago, and then "Baby Blue Shades," and then most recently "Heaven Is a Place in My Head." Uh, are those coming on the full album, or are those just sort of teaser singles for people to have fun with? I'm not having any fun and unstable. Those are two holdover tracks from Mystic Truth, which was our third album. So those yeah. are recorded during that period. Gotcha. So we just we just released those kind of as as a you know why not? Yeah. I think we had done like an Instagram live around the time of the anniversary of that album, and I was going through those tracks, and the fans online seemed really excited by them. So we figured, you know, what's the harm in yeah putting something out there while we're working? And then Baby Blue Shades is the first official release for the batch of music that is part of this new album nice nice well i mean you know both of the the songs baby blue shades and heaven is a place in my head is uh they've already i mean they seem to have a great response from the the fans already i mean baby blue shades almost has seven million streams on spotify and uh heaven is a place in my head already has a, over a million uh, on spotify so it seems like uh yeah, you're. They're responding. They they're excited for a new album. Um, yeah, that feels nice. Now, now, I've talked to a couple of groups that didn't want to release an album during the pandemic. Uh, you know, there was just that uh, sort of you know unknowing how to how do you promote it? What do you do? You can't go on tour. Was there a conscious effort to be like, let's wait until we can, you know, do shows? for this album before we release it or was it just we're going to work on it until we feel good and release it i don't know exactly what the attitude that may have been in some ways the attitude of the label or management but i think really the only thing that the only way that the pandemic kind of slowed down the process would have just been simply just vinyl plants have been really backed up so we kind mm. of we had to kind of factor that into what we were doing but no the, the music was all i think we probably finished recording everything in march and now it's just been uh, a little bit of a wait and we've we're, it's being mixed at the moment nice so uh yeah we're, i would have i you know i wish it was out right now but i think <laughs> you know it's it's nice to release singles at a time and give people kind of a taste at a time and let them sort of let that anticipation build for sure for sure now uh right now do you have a do you have a favorite right now on the on the album that you're excited about people hearing? I mean, obviously you're excited about the whole album, but is there one that's winning you over right now specifically? Yeah, um, you know, aside from the two which have been released, there's a there's a track called "Wishing Fountains," which I'm really excited for people to hear. "Wishing Fountains," you hear it, listeners. I'm writing it down right now so I can remember when I go back and hear the album for the first time. And be like, oh, I see. Yes, I agree. I agree with that one. <laughs> um, now, what what can Bad Sons uh, fans expect for the rest of 2021? It will the I'm, I'm I'm guessing the album will be out before the end of the year. Well, we'll see about that. But we're definitely going to be releasing more music throughout the end of this year as we're on the road. 
And uh, so look forward to new music and look forward to shows. Hopefully we're coming to your town or close enough that you can do a little, make a little road trip and come check say, out the show. Folks here in Jacksonville definitely can make a road trip either to St. Petersburg or Orlando. That's not that hard. It's just a couple of hours. They can do it for sure. Um, well, Christo, we are up against the break, man, but I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. Listeners, you can check out all things Bad Sons at BadSons.com, or you can follow them on social media at Bad Sons. Right now, let's take a listen to that most recent single, Heaven is a Place, in my head, right here on the Doc G Show. And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Christo Bowman from Bad Sons right there. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. I love their tunes, man. Oh, They're yeah. Good tunes. They, they rope me in. They're just the alternative vibe in them. They just, so, so many good things about him. Such a nice guy. If you get a chance, folks, obviously, like I already mentioned in the interview, multiple chances to see them here in Florida. So when they come rolling around here in less month and a half, oh, crazy to say less than a month wow. and a half till September can't what, what crazy. Jeez. Year is going fast. Yes. Anyways, make sure you check them out. When you get a chance, you'll have the chance in September. It'll be fantastic. And of course, as we were listening to their tunes, me and Claude did what we do. We looked at the menu of where Christo told us to go. He told us to go to Casa Vega. So we went to Casa Vega <laughs> online and we checked out their menu. Uh, okay, Claude, give us the rundown. Yeah. What do you get? Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big appetizer guy. Uh, Got to go apps. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people are just like, let me get chips and salsa. But no, no, no. These, these appetizers look too good. So I'm going to go yeah. with uh, the queso fundido which is oh, yeah. uh, melted uh, asadero, uh, mm. jack and cortesia cheese, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. sour cream, chipotle mm -hmm. peppers, and tortillas. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have yes. the option to add uh, some beef to that as well, if you'd like. Oh, yeah. Beef chorizo. Oh, yeah. I'm getting down on We're going to add some of that in there. That's oh, uh, yeah. the, the queso fundido uh, is sort of the, you know, it's, it's, it's the white lighter queso instead of the yellow heavier queso the jack would give it a little bit of color but mm, mm, man that that's sounds gonna be so good. good yeah and then where are you going for the uh for the the main course there mm. yeah i think uh the main course i'm going with the chicken uh flautas rancheras uh shredded nice. chicken you know all in a flour tortilla topped with chili con queso guacamole and sour oh. cream oh Get out of town. Mm, Get man. out of town. That's right. Now, I I mean, I could go for everything on the menu. You're not going to stop me with this menu. I mean, <laughs> it's it's a it's a Mexican restaurant. Of course, I could hit everything on this. It, it's an uh, elite menu. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Vega ribeye steak. I could go with that. Like you know, if I'm I'm feeling steaky, I may go with that. But uh, most likely, I'd either go with the carne asada burrito or the uh, carnitas burrito. One of the two. So true. Um, but you know, it's a it's a game day decision. 
You know, I get in there. Who knows what could happen? Who knows what could oh, happen? Oh, man. Maybe they I both go sound up, but great. Exactly, exactly. And uh, now you said you're going flan for dessert, right? Flan. Yeah, I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with the flan. I've I've always enjoyed that since I was a kid, and um, mm. just like a little bit of whipped cream on the top, just mm. because that's that's how we do it in America. But America! Um, you know me. Either I, way, I'm fine without it. I'm not a big I'm not a big dessert guy, but if I'm going dessert, I, uh, I'll hit that fried ice cream. But most likely, whatever just uh, insanity that I do for the entree, I'm probably not going to have room. But you know that uh, that sugar cinnamon makes that fried ice cream. Oh. That's the like that's that kick that it needs. It's like mm, that's sweet and good. I don't I don't I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Get out of town, man. If we go if we if we head over to the valley and we're heading down ventura boulevard you know where we're going we're going casa vega and and so true and we've been recommended by cristo and i'm gonna call cristo (laughs) up and he's gonna be like hey why are you calling me i'm gonna be like thanks for the restaurant choice and i'll be like stop calling me you turd i'll be like all right catch you next time man (laughs) what anyways thanks to cristo for the suggestion go out check their music fantastic uh thanks for being on the show guys other than that claude it is time for the third birthday suit. Yes. All right. This is big. This is three for three. Now, this one is somewhere in between. I'm pretty confident, but like I've only got one major clue, but it's a pretty major clue, and I think you know it. Okay? Yeah. So here we go. Born on July 28, 1990. In Chicago, Illinois, his family moved to Atlanta when he was six years old. At a young age, he became interested in rap music. Her birthday suitwear started posting his work all over the internet on YouTube, MySpace, and SoundClick. In 2007, he released a song, Crank That. Hmm. The song launched his career and led to his first major release. The song became famous for the associated dance. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, do, do you want? Do you want me to say it? Is say it. it is it my say turn? it now. You got it. Soldier boy. Soldier boy. You <laughs> crank that soldier crank boy. Crank that soldier boy. You. Yes, that is him. That is him. Now uh, he had in 2009. He released the song "Turn My Swag On," which, uh, uh, to his credit, I did download that. I downloaded. I downloaded "Turn My Swag On." Uh, it reached number 19 on the Billboard charts. It didn't get as high as "Crank That," nope. but you know, it was there. Uh, since then, he's released four albums. Obviously, the by far most popular song "Crank That." Uh, there you go, Soldier Boy, turning the big uh, three-one. 3-1 for wow. Soldier Boy. Who I uh, feel like Soldier Boy is still like a boy. 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still still DeAndre Cortez Way. That's his real name. DeAndre Cortez okay. Way, which uh I don't think many people know him as. But uh I would I would not have gotten that correct. No, no. Happy birthday, DeAndre. Live it up, man. Uh crank that. Happy birthday. Crank that for your for your birthday, you know? I, I would do it. I would do it. It made made you famous, made you lots of money, no doubt. So why not, you know? Uh, <laughs> Claude, we have some fantastic shows coming up. Two great guests lined up. I'm very excited about both of these guests. Next week, we've got Grizzfolk, which Grizzfolk is a very popular band uh just out there ripping it up we've got their lead singer coming on the show adam roth 
just today, I uh, released a Instagram story misspelling his name, and I felt like a complete. <laughs> that happened. Oh. It happened. Yeah. Oh I, no. For, that's, I know, that's tragic. I know his last name, and I put Ross instead of Roth. I. Mm. I. Can you believe it? Why am I that dumb? Well, I don't know. Mm, yeah. Well, look, he's going to be terrific on the show. That's true. Either way. That's true. Despite my flaws, he will shine through. That is true. I'm very <laughs> excited about having him on the show. And then the week after that, we're going to have Larkin Poe on the show. These sisters, man, can they play some tunes. And man, are they known in the Nashville music world. They are just everywhere. That's right. They are like, I mean, they've got ties to like 28 different artists that I've had on this on this show. It's crazy. Like, and they wow. just, I mean, yeah, they, they just, I mean, so talented. Can't wait to have these, these two groups on the show. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, but of course, we've reached that point in time, which is known as the end of the show. That's a fact. So... We're gonna have to, yeah. We're gonna have to wrap it up, Claude. We have to wrap it up for this week. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I've been your host, Doc G. With me is the guy. He's still fly, and he's not dead, so he's still fly. Claude Lathan. <laughs> hey, thanks as always. Love being on the show. Yes. Uh, last last couple of weeks, being able to hop on a little bit more has been awesome, and uh, been good. Can't been wait to uh, see about all these new exciting shows and, and headlines and for everything sure. coming up. For sure, it's been it's been uh, it's been like old times, Claude. It's been like old times. It really has. It's like we rewound it back to 2017. It feels good, man. It feels good. I'm just about I'm just about uh, 20 25 pounds heavier. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! We got no, no no. It's not that bad, guys. We're good. We're good. <laughs> too much too much flan. No no. <laughs> Anyways, until next week, guys. Zip it up and zip it out.